genetic science has changed the way we live our lives. For some people, having their genes tested for potential hereditary conditions can be the very literal definition of knowledge being power. Recent research conducted by leading geneticists from the universities of Aberdeen and Edinburgh has found that one in a hundred people who have grandparents from Orkney have a gene variant that causes a higher risk of developing breast and ovarian cancer. Testing is currently available in Scotland to those who know of a direct family connection to the gene or have a history of ovarian and breast cancer in the family. Now planning is underway for a small pilot trial that will offer testing for the gene variant to anyone living in Westry with a Westry-born grandparent, regardless of family history. From the University of Aberdeen, I'm Laura Grant. Join me as we go into the headlines. Episode 5, the Orkney gene variant. So I'm joined today by Sasha Miedzebrodska, Professor of Medical Genetics at the University of Aberdeen and Director of the NHS North of Scotland Genetic Service based within NHS Grampian. Jim Wilson, Professor of Human Genetics at the University of Edinburgh. And Bethan Davis, who lives in Orkney and who's been tested for the BRCA1 gene variant. Welcome all. Hello. Hello. Sasha, can you start by giving us an overview of the research? So more than 20 years ago, I was asked by the breast screening unit that had gone up to Orkney to start doing breast screening on the spot up there to come up and evaluate women with a family history of breast cancer because there just seemed to be quite a lot that needed an assessment and it was easier for, for the doctors to come to Orkney than for all the patients to come south. So we started doing a familial cancer clinic and that became the Orkney Genetic Clinic, which sees any genetic condition. And over time, we started to identify a number of family groups that initially didn't seem to link up, but then genetic testing became available for the genes BRCA1, sometimes we call it BRCA1, and BRCA2. And then, um, it, you know, if, if now we, we do more, but those were the main two genes to start with. We started to be able to offer that test and we started to see the same gene alteration crop up in different families that were coming to see us. And we realised that actually that suggested they had a, a common origin and we were able to at least link some of them together using what I call genealogy. So that's um, birth marriages and deaths registers and so on. Um, and we were also then able to show that they originated back in Westry in the 1800s but that was a long process and it was only 2016 when the gene difference was clearly recognized as disease causing and that was when we started to offer the test widely through the family that has become extended and extended more so that we have now have hundreds of individuals drawn into a family tree although only only some of them have the gene variant but I wanted to know how common that variant was. And that was where I came to speak to Jim. Exactly. So my side to the story also starts a while ago, nearly 
20 years ago because uh, we were interested in isolated populations such as Orkney and Shetland. And uh, there are many such populations around the world, such as Iceland and Finland and, and Sardinia. It was popular to study them because they have a subtly different gene pool. So we set up the ORCADE study, the Orkney Complex Disease Study, and over time recruited uh, a little over 2,000 volunteers who were able to give consent and had three or four grandparents from Orkney uh, in the vast majority of cases. So they were recruited through a clinic uh, with research nurses who took their blood for DNA samples and also gave them a number of uh, measurements of risk factors for disease, ranging from blood pressure through to cholesterol and lung function and uh, various other assessments. And um, we were able in time to take advantage of a new technology called exome sequencing. So it reads every gene in the genome, looking at different variants, whether they be common or whether they be rare. And this is when we were able suddenly to notice that in the BRCA1 gene, there was really an astonishing number of people in our cohort in the ORCADE study who carried a variant that looked to be a nasty variant, a disease causing a pathogenic variant in this gene. And so we came together around about that time with Zosia uh, to put these findings together and try to make sense of them and see what they meant for the people of Orkney uh, and to write a paper and uh, then work out uh, what we would do next. So, so that's where I fit into the picture, bringing this sort of population-based view rather than a clinic-based view where we're looking at people who are generally well uh, rather than those who have uh, appeared because, because they are ill or closely related to someone who's ill. There's been a huge amount of coverage in the media about this, but who needs to be aware of it in terms of their family history and should they be concerned? I'll hand over to Zosia in two seconds uh, because I think that's in her domain. But I first wanted to point out that people who were in the Orcade study, we have been one of the first studies in the whole of the UK to get permission that we are able to return these so-called actionable findings. So these variants like this BRCA1 variant that we can do something about. These variants increase the risk of serious disease, but there are treatments or enhanced screening or other interventions available from the NHS, which can improve, ameliorate, or even perhaps cure uh, and prevent the outcome. So we have fed back to the consenting members of our cohort now, and they will have heard about this directly from us. So we they then can follow up their usual pathway of care via Zosia's clinic, um, if they wish to do so. So people who've been in our studies and who have not heard from us, if they consented to receive that information, then they do not carry this particular BRCA1 variant. That's not to say they may not carry some other variants that we will look at in the future, but these people don't need to worry. In terms of the general public, I'll, I'll let Zosia speak to that. What's been key about us being able to work together is that we now have uh, a view on how common this gene alteration is of people of any Arcadian ancestry, that, that's 1%. And what I think is also a really important finding is that the vast majority of those people with the alteration have a Westry grandparent, Westry-born grandparent. And that acts as a way of being able to narrow down how many people from Orkney do appear to be at risk. So we 
are making the recommendation that if people have a Westry grandparent, we would like them to be able to have a test for this gene alteration. Now, at this present point in time, that recommendation is made on basis of the science, but we need to put a system in place and putting a system in place always needs money. So what we're fortunate to have been able to do with a charity called Friends of Anchor is to put in place a pilot project so that people who are living at the moment in Westry, who have a Westry grandparent, have the opportunity for a test. We want to then build that once we know how many of those people will want a test, once we get the system up and running, we want to be ready to then roll that out to the other Orkney Isles, but also beyond to across mainland Scotland as well. So we're in the process of setting that up and also fundraising at the same time to, to get a system in place. And then the, the long term aim is that once we've got things up and running is that we would ask the NHS to take on funding for testing for people who, you know, at this point in the short term, maybe don't feel ready to be tested just right now, but might want it down the line. Or as younger people get older and feel that the time in their life has come, it's just that building up towards the sort of long term service that, that we're in the process of doing. So right now, if somebody has a, a family history of breast or being cancer in themselves or, or a close relative and they have Westry grandparents, they can seek a test through NHS care. And we broaden that out to wider Arcadian heritage in, in that specific instance. But if you don't have a close relative with breast or being cancer, the service isn't there just yet but it's coming. I was going to ask just to be clear people who are tested and perhaps have the gene variant that doesn't mean that they're definitely going to get breast or ovarian cancer though does it? That's correct it is a high chance for women so what by high what we mean is it's something around about 50% will develop breast cancer but it will does depend a little bit on, on what the rest of the family history is. And around about 50% will get ovarian cancer. But on the plus side, if we know that, then we can put screening in place. Normally, we would start breast screening for women once they're 50 and they only get it every three years and it's done with an X-ray test. Whereas what we are able to do is just after 25 or so, we can now start screening with MRI for people who have the gene. So that's a much more powerful test and it's done every year instead of every three years. Women who have that gene can also have the opportunity to have their ovaries removed using laparoscopic surgery, usually around about their 40th birthday or after once they've completed their family. And um, a few women choose to have prophylactic mastectomies, um, but we find the majority of our patients don't go down that route. What does the testing involve for the pilot? In the pilot, we're, tra- we're going to be using a mouthwash sample. Uh, people just spit into a tube. And one of the things we're exploring right now with the local community in Westry is how to make those kits available. They may It may be in a box that people can collect them from somewhere. It may be ordered online by sending an email or it may be by maybe something more innovative like picking them up at the library or it, it will depend on what the, the conversation with the community, um, how, kind of how that goes.
And is it just open to women or do you want to hear from men too? At this stage, the testing is open to men because they may have daughters who have a chance of inheriting it. For everyone who has the gene, they've got two copies of, of it. They have a normal copy. And when I say have the gene, the faulty copy of the gene, so a normal and a faulty one. And it's only if they pass the faulty one on when the egg or the sperm is made that it goes on to the next generation. So it's a 50-50 or one in two chance. But men can pass it on just as much as women can. So that's the reason for making the test available to men, because we know that for the next generation, it will be important. And one of the things that Jim and I will be exploring in the months to come is that as his next phase of work, the Viking 2 study starts to bring in results and we scale up the knowledge we have, we, we probably need to drill in a bit closer to the story about whether just checking people with West, with West grandparents is enough or we should be looking at maybe great-great-grandparents or, you know, it, 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 there may be a bit more testing, but at least we know that the people with the West grandparents have the highest chance and that's where we should focus first of all. Well, I was going to ask if this is something that could be applied to other populations. Is it likely that there's other places like Orkney where there may be similar heightened risks? I'd say it's almost certain. When we do what we call population genetics, so trying to understand the distribution of genetic variants across the populations, and I've been particularly working on Scotland, England and, and Ireland and Wales, actually, we see that um, Shetland and Orkney are the most distinct uh, gene pools. Uh, in the whole of Britain and Ireland, but the Hebrides are also uh, a distinct gene pool and they can have sub-gene pool, like the Westry gene pool is a sub-gene pool of the Orkney one. And uh, because of that, I would predict that we'll see other situations like this. It may not be quite as common. I may not reach 1%, 1 in 100, or it could be more common, uh, actually. And it may not be a BRCA gene. It may be a bowel cancer variant or an inherited arrhythmia or a tendency to high cholesterol, or any of a, a number of things. And so we've just about completed recruiting 10,000 individuals into the Viking gene studies, now not only from Orkney and Shetland, but including their diaspora, all the people who moved to Aberdeen and Edinburgh and Glasgow and England and to the colonies, to Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and so on. But also uh, in the last year, people who have grandparents from the Hebrides um, to extend out this kind of work to the people from the Western Isles and Sky and Isla and so on. So we don't have all of these results yet, and it'll keep me busy for a little while, but we will certainly be looking uh, to see if we can see any, any such things. We'll be able to return um, the actionable variants to the volunteers themselves, but it'll have a much wider impact if we see uh, other communities where we've had this huge uplift in the frequency to the point that we feel that screening uh, would, would be warranted. I think it's a case of watch this space. We, we can only do so much uh, at the time and uh, we'll be getting a lot more of this critical sequence data in the autumn uh, of, of this year of 2023 and we'll be able to see uh, much more widely where, where this kind of thing has happened then. And from the, the genetic side of things, the alterations in these genes are um, particularly well known in the Jewish population. It's about one in 40 people with Jewish heritage have a chance of having one of three alterations, two in BRCA1 and one in BRCA2. And in England, sort of systematic testing 
for those gene alterations in people who have just one Jewish grandparent is going to be made available from May. And I'm hoping that we may be able to, to sort of do something similar in Scotland for, the, for people of, of that type of heritage as well. So there are other population groups around the world where these things have happened. I think what's particularly distinct about this one is it's a, a geographically defined ancestral population within the UK. And I think to me, that's, that's why this is a bit of a first. You've been very good at preempting my questions because I was going to ask if the research could be adapted for other diseases, but I guess the answer is yes, based on what you've just told me, Jim. Absolutely. The key point is that there's something we can do about it. There, there are genetic variants which we will come across that are of a slightly different um, flavour that there, there's less that can be done. So we're focusing first on the variants of where we can take action uh, and the individuals and the community can do something about it. And at the moment, we've been focusing on things that we can treat in adulthood, but we may in due course come up against um, conditions where it has to affect maybe both copies of a gene that can cause a condition much earlier in life. And it might be um, about being able to offer parents a chance to see if their child might be affected be before they plan a pregnancy. But again, that's that's probably on our second list, isn't it? Yeah, but that's also something that happens in other parts of the world, particularly in Israel, where they have a particular genetic history uh, such that they have many of these kinds of gene variants where you need to have two copies. And so I think they're probably world leaders in this kind of testing. I agree, this is a couple of steps down the line. It's it's quite new, I'd say, in, in Scotland and in Britain, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Uh, my job is to provide an evidence base for what is out there and work then with Sozia to see how best we can translate that into benefit and impact for, for individuals and the NHS and communities in Scotland. So that, that's what we're going to do, but um, one step at the time. You're in Westry to share the findings of your research with the local community. How was it received? I mean, we were bearers of, of rather bad tidings, to be honest. But I think despite that, it went as well as we, we could have wished better. I think we had a great turnout. People understood what the message was and um, they were not anything other than stoic, really, in, in the response. In fact, quite forward thinking, particularly in terms of the funding that we need, immediately uh, realising the situation uh, in regards to fiscal challenge with the NHS at, at the moment. And uh, while thankful that some pilot work could be done in Westry, um, thinking already of possible opportunities to broaden this out to the rest of Orkney, the rest of Scotland uh, and beyond in, in time. So I was really delighted. Um, it went better than I could have hoped. And I've been astonished, really, in, in contrast to maybe other times when we've had similar advances that really it was it was pretty much universally welcomed um, as being good to know. Not not maybe welcomed as good news, but it's certainly the fact that something could be done. And I think the only frustration was that we were seeking to limit testing to people with Western grandparents. There was quite an interest in being able to broaden it out further and I think that's where we have to see where the data leads us in terms of whether there would be 
benefit for people who don't have clear known Westry ancestry and being tested? Because the evidence we have at the moment is is it's not really needed. But I think as the next generation come through and the the, the generation that maybe would took part in Jim's studies pass on, it may be relevant to test the next generation. I agree. People are um, becoming more and more mixed uh, everywhere, but even within Orkney um, and less knowledgeable about exactly where their grandparents or their great grandparents came from. And so this this Westry genome, if you like, is going to bleed into and become mixed in with other uh, the Orcadian uh, gene pool in, in general. So it definitely the more information we have, the better to be able to make the sort of decisions that need to be made about who's eligible and who would benefit. Now, Bethan, you don't actually have Orcadian ancestry, but by coincidence, you do happen to live in Orkney, in Kirkwall to be precise, and you also happen to carry the gene variant. Is that right? Yes. So I tested positive for the BRCA1 mutation back in 2015 and I was tested due to family history and I literally came across the research when I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw it on BBC Radio Orkney and I just shared it to my newsfeed just to say to people, I actually have this if you're concerned about carrying it I think you should go and get tested. So you have a history of cancer in your family? Yes yes so all females in my direct lineage and somewhat wider scope have had breast cancer. That has to be quite a worry for you. Well um, the majority of them their first cancers were in their sort of mid to late 30s so um, obviously that in itself is a bit of a red flag because generally people don't expect to get until they're a bit older so that was what I think had encouraged other family members to get tested. We've heard that people taking part in the pilot will be using a mouthwash sample. The process for you was a bit different though wasn't it? It was a blood test. They don't just go and give you a blood test before you get to that stage you have an initial consultation where they sort of explain a lot of things to you like how genetics works because the vast majority of people don't really know much beyond what you learn in standard grade science and that soon disappears as you get into adulthood and so they give you a bit of a explanation of how it works and what the sort of impacts of knowing are just so you can make an informed decision about the implications of knowing and then once they're satisfied that you understand what the question is you're asking, then it's literally a case of getting a blood test done at the GP and then that gets sent off to the genetics clinic and about three months later you get your result. So what does this testing do for you in terms of how you think about or lead your life going forward? What does having this information mean for you? For one thing, it gives me access to regular screening significantly earlier than the majority of people will get so I have had annual screening since the age of 25 up to the age of 30 that's just meeting with a nurse who does a sort of manual checkup and from the age of 30 that is an annual MRI and a manual checkup and then from the age of 35 I believe I will receive annual mammograms. How old are you if you don't mind me asking? I'm 32. Outside of that sort of side of things, it's just a bit more of awareness. So I probably check myself a little bit more regularly than I would have otherwise. Um, And also just a little bit 
more mindful about my lifestyle. I, I don't pretend that my body's a temple. I don't live that lifestyle, but I have been more active and been slightly more inclined to eat more healthily, more regularly, and just doing what I can, but also not completely cutting out all the things I enjoy in my life. Gotta live, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who qualifies for this new pilot testing programme? I think if if you qualify, you have got nothing to lose by doing it. It might seem a little bit scary, but at the end of the day, genetics are in you. Doing the test will not give you the gene. It will not increase your risk. It will only inform you if you have that. To me, it never felt like a sort of life sentence or a death sentence or anything. It's more like an extra opportunity to prolong your life you know it could save your life knowing that rather than you know many people might wait till they're in their 50s before they start doing regular checks by which point it could potentially be too late so having this knowledge is is a little bit of a control and power in some respect yes yes and I think like in a lot of ways once you get over the initial shock there is a there is a comfort in knowing just because you know you will be looked after and you know you get the, that um, that support if you're concerned about it, do it. You know, there's a 50% chance that you learn that you don't have that risk. And that's fantastic. The other 50% chance is, okay, you do have it. But these are the strategies that are going to be put in place to make to absolutely minimize your risk. And both of those are far better outcomes than you having it, not knowing and not getting regular checks. Wise words for us to end on. But end we must, I'm afraid, as we've come to the end of our time together. Thank you all for joining me. It's been really interesting hearing about the research and also hearing your perspective, Bethan. So thank you all. That was great. Thank you. Thanks very much. And thanks to you for listening. More information on the BRCA1 and breast and ovarian cancer in families is available from the NHS and Macmillan Cancer Support. If you have grandparents from Orkney and have questions about the testing pilot, you can contact the NHS Grampian Genetics Clinic Helpline on 01224 553940. Email inquiries can be directed to gram.orkbrcagene at nhs.scot. Please be aware that GPs will not be able to assist with the gene testing and any questions about this research or the next steps should be directed to the helpline. A series of FEQs and a short video outlining the findings of the research are also available on NHS Grampian's website at nhsgrampian.org forward slash brca1. I'll be back soon with another dip into the headlines from the University of Aberdeen. But if you just can't wait, you know what to do visit abdn.ac.uk slash news to catch up on all the latest announcements. This podcast was brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.